Hello and welcome to this special bonus, The Bill podcast interview with Sally Rogers and Chris Simmons talking about their play, The Still Room. There is a video version of this podcast live on YouTube. I've put the link in the description of this release on SoundCloud. So if you'd like to see a video version of this podcast, head over to YouTube now. If not, sit back, relax and enjoy this final interview with Sally and Chris as they talk about the play. And this has been recorded within the last month, specifically talking about what it's been like to get this play on stage. It's running at the Park Theatre in London until June the 25th. So as this releases, there's only one week left. Sally and Chris have been meeting Bill fans. They've been taking photos of them after the shows. I had the great pleasure of seeing it with my wife on June the 7th at the press night. It is a phenomenal play. It is so well written. It's funny in places. It's tragic in others. It's extremely well acted. All six characters get their moments to shine. And it's an amazing debut from Sally. And she and the rest of the cast and crew deserve a lot of success from this, in my humble opinion. Anyway, enough of me waffling on. As you'll hear, there are some special clips from the play throughout the podcast. And here's the first. And your waitress would be ours, it's been cute to pin a car with Kevin all afternoon. Bet the air inside her nose would melted with the stink. I think Kevin will shower. But I think you've got to be saying dirty clothes back on. Ta-da! How are you? <laughs> I'm okay, look at you with that amazing backdrop. What's going on behind you? Oh, it's my little den where I... Uh record my podcast or write my books you look really well sally do i yeah oh yeah my God. it's been a long old journey it feels like we're and, and how we're bookending it ollie like you know when we first chatted and then the world fell down and now we're kind of trying to stand back up again and i just really want to salute you because i think your interview skills are extraordinary and i've listened back to those podcasts that chris and i did and they're really good <laughs> like genuinely like you know Chris and I go off on a tangent you know and you pull it back your questions are intelligent there's a through line to it you're brilliant that's so kind of you I don't want to embarrass you but I just think it's important to say you know we see interviewers on telly and podcasts and they come and they go and they're, some of them are chances and some of them are good and some of them aren't good and you're very, very, very good. Well, my aim is to do you guys proud, you know, because like, I, I admire all of you so much. When we met January 20th, I, just, I remember what a happy day that was. It was a lesson to me that day because I suppose because I've written this play, there's been quite a lot of attention. And there's a naive bit of my brain that thought as a writer rather than actor, I could just scuttle under the radar. So I, I can hear in the podcast, sometimes you ask me a question, and I'll go... Okay, this is about, right, fine, you know. But because Chris was there, all three of us just were having a really wonderful chat. Yeah. Did you feel that too? I, I just remember feeling so welcome. You both made me feel part of a gang. 
Yeah, you were definitely very quickly. You, were, you we liked you. Camaraderie does flow, you know, and uh... <laughs> what you say is camaraderie. Yeah. And you hover, <laughs> you hover over the hour. And as actors, we're like that. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> I like to say that. Do that dialect. Get that word in a script. So from your perspective, not just as a playwright, but as a human being, like two months after we met and the country was plunged into lockdown, let's let's reflect on how how things were for you, sort of a double whammy of having your play postponed, but also just from a, a human being. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the play that was quite interesting because Nigel Douglas, the director, and I, both quite committed human beings. I was in my house. My friend Laura Linney FaceTimed me from New York and it was like the opening scene of a disaster movie. She was like, we're in the car, we've loaded up, we're getting out, we're going to the country. Oh my God, you know, what is going on? And I was like, oh, we're all right here. <laughs> I was thinking, what's she overreacting for? Honestly, if I'd seen a tornado in the back of shot, I'd have thought, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. the car was loaded up, her husband was driving, some was in, we're just like, we're getting out, we're getting out. I said, oh, no, we're, we're carrying on here, you know. And Nigel and I would get emails from the cast, is everything okay, what's going on? Like, yep, we're, we're, we're pushing forward until, you know. So really, we really, really did push right to the wire. And then as a human, it's a bit tragic, I think, because I just went, Okay, I just I accepted the cancelling of it. Maybe maybe there was a, a sort of tragic bit of my head, which the play really explores this whole working class confidence thing. I think there was a bit of my head just went, oh, well, maybe that was never going to happen for me. So there we go. When I think back, I think it's heartbreaking the, the way I, I accepted it. I've been speaking to a lot of my writer friends and what and I have a friend who his play is rehearsing at the same time as mine, actually. You know, Stephen Beresford, who wrote Pride. We were due to go on at the same time just before we got cancelled, and now we're rehearsing in tandem. Wow. So we talk a lot, you know, and he says to me, if one more person says, are you excited? I'll punch him, and I was like, yeah, that's what people say. Are you excited? No. No, I'm not excited. I'm not a member of the audience who's won a competition to have my story acted. I don't know, it's funny, isn't it? Because I'm not a cautious person in life. I'll climb up on that building and, you know, walk along the ledge. I, I am quite ballsy. But equally, I'm a little bit on the back foot, maybe, about this production. Only the madness in my own ego. It's nothing to do... I mean, the play is... I went to see them do a run-through... Ollie, I'm so excited for you to see it. Because remember, you asked me, you were like, I can't remember what the exact question was, but you led me to the point where I said, I want this play to be everything I need when I go to the theatre. I want it to be funny, shocking, tragic, powerful, and I don't want to be bored. And, and I was watching them do this play, I was going, I'm absolutely gripped, I'm gripped. Great actors, they're great actors. And they've had this script for two years. Two years to hang on to that script. I didn't want anyone in this play to have the smaller part or the part that's not quite as dynamic. They've all got a story and a journey and moment after moment after moment. I don't want anyone to be in the green room. I mean, I've been in a thousand plays. People go, 
well, I mean, you know, I should have taken that telly because I'm barely, barely on in the second half. <laughs> but there's none of that. Has it stayed exactly as it was that you were rehearsing? No. Both Stephen Beresford and I both said, oh, well, we can make improve. You can always improve. You never, you never stop. Ed- You're a writer. You never stop editing. I call it my 4am club when I wake up and think, actually, to say Man U is funnier than Man United. Oh, hello, legend. Nice to see you, Oliver. Sal, you look lovely. Oh, thanks, Chrissy. You're welcome. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to the loo. <laughs> How are you, Ollie? All right? I'm very well, sir. It's great yeah. to see you. Yeah, you too, man. You I'm, too. Uh, I'm buzzed about seeing the still room. When when you come in, Sally's very kindly invited me on the seventh from the press night. So, oh, that's amazing, mate. I'm very very lucky and grateful. That's going to be yeah, special. <laughs> Look at that. Seamless. <laughs> yeah. Seamless. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah. listen, I meant to say, I was on the platform at Wimbledon two weeks ago and this man looked at me and I looked at him and then there was obviously an exchange of something, but I didn't know what it was. And then about 10 minutes later, he came up to me and he went, Sally? I went, yeah, and he went, it's Christopher? And I just went, oh, my God. So Christopher was oh. a little boy that used to hang around outside the studios on his bike. Wow. And it really floored me. I just went, oh, my God. And what's interesting is when Doug Rao left, I got us all to make a little film for Doug where we were all pretending to be fans outside the studio. And I opened the film with Christopher coming down on his bike. So I had a little connection with him. You know, he he opened the film. And there he was, a grown man with a beard. I thought, I can't believe you're a man. (laughs) But he'd booked his ticket for the play. Andrew Lancel would know his surname, this guy, Christopher. I was in a black cab once and this, the driver went, where are you going in? I'm like, oh, I'm off to do some ADR. Actor, are you? Yeah. Don't know a guy called Tony, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of voiceovers, because you've now got a home studio, Chris, Have you? is that all kicked off during the lockdown? You've set all that up? Yeah. Lip, lip yeah, yeah, service, yeah. 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 I, I, what do they describe it as? A cool and sincere Cockney lad with gravitas. I love that. <laughs> Cockney. <laughs> Who likes eating cockles. <laughs> He's got a pearly king outfit in his wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had to do that from lockdown. You had to sort of like get your own little, you know, you just have to, you just have to move again. You know what I mean? You can't, you almost can't sit still. I enjoyed your 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 reel. Was the uh, the cross train? Was that a sample or was that from? Uh, no, I did one of them once. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're good things to get into the old uh, the old voiceovers. The best one I ever did was like a, I made a load of noises. Do you remember the Vauxhall Corsa puppet? It was like a little puppet. But they're they're the most bonkers thing voiceovers. You can just literally just use a noise. Lucy Speed's very good at voiceovers. She said she had to do one recently where they wanted us to do to be a goat. And um, she did six versions where she was like a nervous goat. 
a cocky goat, <laughs> cautious goat. <laughs> crying. And honestly, Ollie, it's that bonkers. It is that bonkers. That's that's how you've got to just sort of like, you know. My, my one, the one that I had to do that Vauxhall course of puppet, they said, right, what we want is we want to cross between uh, Ray Winston and Sid James. No, <laughs> no, no words. And, and, and he's like this. <laughs> I was like, and you do, you just that right now. Can you make that sound like you're a little bit upset? Ooh, it's like. <laughs> You haven't, got, you haven't got a clue what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, good. my God. I absolutely love that. Our world, our world. It's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, when we met, it was January 2020. There was this real buzz and excitement about you know, the play coming up. I, I said to Sal, I'd gone, walk, I'd gone on walks and pretty much learned 50% of my lines for the play. That's how close we was. It was like working on little walks and little bits and bobs for this character. God. I guess because just a bit older, I, I, I was just kind of, oh, well, you know, you, you, you get used to so many like whacks in this profession. You, I, I was kind of a bit more philosophical about it. I know that the younger girl, it was one of her first jobs. And I remember Sal said she'd had a cake made and she was literally just, you know, Oh, well, it's just like, it's our superpower, actors. It's our bloody superpower. You know what I mean? Something gets taken away from you or you get, you know, you just kind of get used to it and a little bit more weathered as you get older. A mum had a cake commissioned for a birthday with her sat on top of it holding the still room scripts. So you can imagine for like a 20-odd-year-old girl, that's like, you know... For me, it just sort of shelved in my brain, thinking, all right, okay, what else can I get on with them? Do you know what I mean? We, oh, I've been putting a film together for about two years, and this, that, that would have been made by now as well. So that sort of went back on the back burner again. So they were the two bits that I was sort of focusing on for the, for the next, like, six to eight months if the lockdown hadn't come along. If anything, my, I've got a uh, bit of an overactive brain anyway, so I did, I did manage to smell the flowers metaphorically in lockdown do you know what I mean I did manage to walk the dog cook the food and go back down to just wow there really is nothing that anyone can do do you know what I mean I mean honestly Chris you're probably one of the people who sort of mentally benefited from being forced to yeah. stop yeah because I never do my brain it's just one of their brains do you know what I mean it never does I've, I've tried to put all my other stuff aside since doing this and I don't necessarily mean acting because acting comes and but you know I've got a little business and I've always my brain's always doing something so when it stopped it was just like it's breaking down on the road isn't it there's nothing you can do all of a sudden you're whizzing through life you've broken down on the side of the road and you've just stepped out of life and life carries on whizzes past and there's nothing you can do about it that was what lockdown was for me in a in a, in a you know longer sense and then, like anything, I think I got really used to it. I loved walking the dog. I loved just thinking, oh, the alarm goes off at three. I've got to pick the kid up, start cooking the dinner, and just kept it well simple, you know. And then, if anything, it's like everyone, isn't it? I don't know about you guys, but it's hard, you know. It's harder to get back to, to doing anything again. Do you know what I mean? Getting your brain back up to speed. How far is it? Is that quite far from the tube? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done about a confidence thing, but you sort of think, God, you know. Like we say in them induction cell, you get as you get a bit uh, your, your safety thing, your, your safety gets heightened. You get yeah. a little bit more scaredier as you get older. You just sort of think, you know, can I still do that? Can I still do that? And then of course, slowly things come back. Your brain starts, you know, kicking in again. I find myself saying the phrase quite a lot now. Pre-lockdown, no, now bucket, yeah. Yeah. I'm a little bit more cavalier about taking risks and 
yeah. well, let's see what it is then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we all thought we were going to die, didn't we? Loads of people have half written plays, haven't they? Or written a play. Writing a play is one thing. It's then going to do it, finding your money, finding a director, find someone you trust, finding a space. It's like somebody donating money. Oh, they said they'll donate money. They put it in your bank account yet. I've actually, I've actually pressed send. There's so many different ways, different bits to it before you actually walk on stage. It's not just, oh, I think I'm going to put a, you know, there's, there's loads to it. So you've got, to, you've got to tip your hat to self and just keep driving forward, driving forward, because at any point, things can just fall, fall apart. It must have been a very special moment when you all got together again for the first time. It was, it was, to be honest, wasn't it, Chris? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, honestly, Ollie, they're, no actor gives you a similar performance in the uh, play. Due to Sally's characters, you know, they're just so different. There's six completely different um, people in the play. It's not like two mates who are kind of doing the same thing or, two, you know, just they're all such different personalities. It's been brilliant to watch them come alive and watch them get better and finding moments. And director's been absolutely fucking rock steady. Brilliant. I agree with 97% of his notes. You just think, oh, yeah, of course. If you don't, you can go, actually, and he's brilliant and lets you explore, you know, explore something. And then if it doesn't work, you, you know, he's been absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. That's brilliant. interesting, because do you remember when we last met? When I first started to talk about Nigel, I was saying that when we filmed an episode of The Bill, because it was a different director every episode and you're thinking, who's this? And I said something like, I'd watch him give the first three notes. And if I agreed with those notes, I'd go, right, okay, great, I'm on board. Tell me where to stand and what to do. I, I think you've got impeccable taste and your instincts are right on the money. Go, let's go. That's a lovely, um, not comfortable, but that's a lovely place to be when you're on a show or on a, on, a, on a telly or if you're thinking he's got me, he's totally got me. Trust, just absolute trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even down to a sentence now, he, he breaks it, the sentence down thinking, oh, actually, he doesn't mean that, he actually means this. And you sort of think, all right, so it's just one, one little flick, one little look back or one tiny little moment now. It's really broken down into... Because we flew out the blocks and we had it on its feet. Maybe eight days we had it on its feet, thinking, God, he's kind of semi-blocked it. So we had loads more time to, uh, to, to to mess around with it, you know. We put it on its feet the other uh, on Friday as well, Ollie, for the first time in front of about eight different people. And that's that was another step again. It was like you're giving it over again to somebody else. Like Sally was me and Sally was saying every day, but you then give it to someone else. Now it's theirs to decide what they think of it. Do you know what I mean? We've, we, we've been in it so much. It's like, it's really interesting watching it go to, and it will go again to, to the preview nights to like 90 people. I mean, that's the other thing about Nigel, you know, like I've been in some play, most plays where, you know, there's a timeline on the wall and I'm not knocking this. I'm not mocking it or knocking it. I'm just saying, you know, this is the way it often is. There'll be a timeline of, of events on the wall and you'll write where your character fits and your journey. And then you'll provide a history of your character and did a little, little, you know, and the older I get, I'm like, what am I wearing? And where am I standing? Yeah. And where are the gags? <laughs> because you don't know, you, all you know is you've got opening night in your calendar. And, and you're marching towards the edge of the cliff. And I think what the advantage for us was, we didn't need a meet and greet day where we're like, oh, hi, where do you live? Oh, I'm near Bethnal Green. Oh, at the tutor. You know, it's like, bang. We've, we've done the read through before we've even had day one. So stand up, here we go, let's go. And I think, particularly for the younger people, 
you know, this girl who's never done a play before, I want to say to her, it's not always like this. You've done a run through in front of your mates because Nigel is smart enough to know, let's see where the laughs are. Because there's a massive talent in riding a laugh or holding, holding, and then dropping the... And I just think, wow, we're about to go into the theatre and they are already confident. I think they did that quite naturally as well. So I don't think I said that to you on the phone the other day. I think the girls, there was some belly rolling laughs and the girls just naturally... Just wasted it. Just naturally came to a nice slow down, 20 miles an hour, and picked up again. I noticed that they were doing that. And, and saying what she was saying, Ollie, that you don't, you can't, you don't teach someone that. That's the case of either you feel it or you've got to, you know, you've got to have loads of people laugh at you. To go, God, this is a different experience before they miss the next gag and the next gag. But I think they did that really well, yeah. Without any spoilers, do you have a favourite moment or or line of dialogue, Chris? Or what's your, what's your bit with you? Um, <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got a really, really. I don't think it'll give anything. I've got a really uncomfortable moment with uh, this young girl that he fancies. He's trying to just pay her some compliments, and he just doesn't know how to. So he's just sort of saying what he sees, and he, he just gets tongue-tied halfway through paying her these compliments, and he just kind of conks out. <laughs> it's just like, and it's absolutely. He, he just conks out. He just doesn't know what to do. You know what I mean? And because no one comes in and saves him, he just keeps going. He just yeah. keeps going. And it's like that, oh my God. And I suppose because she's and because she's this unique to the play, really middle class character, who's just like, yeah, you know, yeah, does it she doesn't feel the need to <laughs> bail him out or make it, you know, she's like, okay. It's great. It's really great. It's it's he's got lots of layers to it, I think. My sister watched it and she was like, uh, she, she thought it was funny all the way through. She said, I could so tell that Sally had written it. She knows Sally as well. So I could so tell it was written by a woman, these, these wonderful lines. And she, she, she said, I, I laughed so hard in the first act. And then towards the second act, she said, I was fighting back the tears. And when I looked to the left, she said there was people crying. So she found it really emotional in the second act and laughing. Though She laughed all the, from all the way through. She laughed lots in the first act and wanted to cry loads in the second act. I was like, oh, we can't ask for more than that, can we? I just text Sally that. I said, that's so simple. That's so beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it must be, considering the journey we've all been on coming out of lockdown and everything, like for you as a as an actor to get that response from an audience, you, you there must be something special in here getting buzzed about that intimate relationship between an audience again. Are you, yeah. are you excited about living that again? Because yeah, I, I I would do theater. If somebody gave me a choice, I would do theater all the time. You know what I mean? It's not. They always say the old cliche: it's not for your pocket, the theater. Do you know what I mean? It's for your soul and for your mm. for your passion. And the other, you know, the telly and the film stuff is just a bit slower for me. You get some great moments, but you just you just get to rewrite it every night. You just get a blank canvas every night. I'm going to go out again. I'm going to go out again. And it's funny when I was watching the run through. So bearing in mind, obviously. I I do know what happens in the play. <laughs> <laughs> the moments that caught me out were the moments where someone's feelings had been slightly hurt and the other people didn't realise they'd done it. Yeah. And, and several times I just went, oh, like, you know, I really felt the resonance of that discomfort yeah. that humans experience. And I think it's kind of sometimes hard to show that on telly. I mean, you, obviously you can because you, you hold the camera on somebody, don't you? But when you just see it in someone's body, that the air's just gone out of it. And we've all been on the end of that. 
someone's just marched off into the sunset and you're going, you just really, really cut me to the quick with that comment. Yeah. And, and because, again, because we got so far as well, you know, a lot of it is technical, uh, Ollie. A lot of it is thinking, fuck, I've got to get, got, got, got. but because we've got somewhere, so we could be moved so fast with it and really just sort of, like going back a conversation, just accepted Nigel and thought, wow, you know, there wasn't lots of uh, arguing in the room. It was like, you know, you 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 get to a point where you, you you can do a whole run and you're so comfortable with your words and your well, touch word, your words and your positioning and your costume and your walk and your talk and your and, and your props. You can do you can go in and do a run and put them aside and do a run where you're thinking about all I'm going to do is thinking about listening to people. Yeah. All I'm going to do is just listen and listen and listen because I've got all the other stuff, and, and it's even not even necessarily about your performance. You're going to listen to see how it makes you feel and stuff, and that's just another just a brilliant little level that people do watch. And the space we've walked into this, we, we've been in the space. It is like doing a bit of telly. You can do a small. You can be really small with your with your acting. It's not you're not technically trying to hit the you know 500th person at the back of the thingy. We're all in. There's not a bad seat in the house. So they would have listening and all the bits and bobs. It feels like everyone's sitting on stage, you know. Great, it's great. For an interview with Shelley Duval, she said that Stanley Kubrick had made her do like 170 takes often. And she was saying what you've just said really is that then you listen, you really listen because you really know what you're doing or you, or you know what you're saying. So now you just boom, boom, listen, 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 you know. Thinking how wrung out she must have been because it was so the whole movie's emotional for her, isn't it? She's thinking, oh, 172 takes. Oh my god, I'd, li I'd, I'd love to know what take that. I'd love to know what she see that which film. take he used the first yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> watched the one where she's absolutely drained. Yeah, yeah, they used the first take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny, that's yeah. what Clint Eastwood does. He only does two takes max. Wow. You know, because is that some people think you're never going to beat that first yeah. instinctive go. There's a, lot, there's a lot to be said for that, not beating the first one. There's a lot to be said, I think. Yeah. I was saying to Sally before you came on, Chris, like for me as a as a member of the audience, I can't wait to see you in action live because it's a whole, it's one thing to admire your work on screen. But for the fans of the bill as well, who've got this chance to see one of their heroes, you know, saying words written by another of their heroes, they've yeah. got to come and see it because it's a whole yeah. different experience that they don't want to miss out on. The, the part that she's written, it's just like, my God, it's so it's so not like me. It really is. It's a great part. It's a great, great part that I, that I can put on a bit of a walk. I can put, it's not just coming on and doing, you know, I've got lots of bits that I've sort of added and, and sort of little mannerisms and thinking it's so it's such a it's a great character part for me it's a great character part whereas you write a part that's kind of you know in your comfort zone it's not much you've got to do apart from try to be as truthful and you know a, a bit more you know add tiny little bits but this is like whew, this is like a million miles away from me which is great do you know we even spent i've got to tell you about chris's costume because i think it's really interesting so we spent a good 15 minutes discussing the length of his trousers. So what we've got is trousers that are just a little bit long at the back. They just come a little bit far down his shoe heel, but they're a bit short at the front, just to make him just look a little bit broken. 
we were desperately trying to get him a nine a late 70s shirt because it's 1981 but he wouldn't have a modern you know vintage warehouse after we couldn't find it couldn't find it couldn't find it in the end we've got a seamstress got three shirts from primark cut the collars off and built collars from the third redundant shirt using the fabric to build a collar i mean like that level of detail yeah. is just exciting i think no one's gonna know but we know yeah i was just about to say i know it sounds daft but you you kind of think but it's just another level when you put it on do you know what i mean i know it sounds you know I'll never forget the very first thing i ever heard like that was when robert de niro playing Al Capone the first thing he did was buy a pair of silk pants and wear them for like a week and, and felt what it was like to wear these silk pants because that's what he do you know what I mean yeah. so I know the tiniest little but if you are a nerd all I am is a nerd for acting and especially if you've got a really good part thinking all I am is a nerd for it and that's it it's just like when you just see it's just a bit too big and you just just adds the tiniest thing that somebody may or may not you know like his, 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 his suit is just one size too big. It just, it just, it just adds to him. It's just who he is. Do you know what I mean? It's like, hey, Sal, in the in the thing, I did lots of taking the jacket off and on and off and on that we did we've never done before. He says because when you go into the kitchen, you uh, you don't have to have that jacket on. You know, Brilliant. when you kitchen, you can have that jacket hung up, and you want to see some stains under his arms. Brilliant. He's got a spray. Every time he comes off, he's spraying. It's just he brilliant. Always, so will the, will the jacket hang up in the still room? Is that the idea? Up in the still room, yeah. Brilliant, Chris. So he just gave me a bit of a free reign to sort of get it off and on yeah. as much as you can, as long as when you go to the restaurant, it's on. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I can talk brilliant. And rework a bit of the blocking and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I know it's I know it's daft, Ollie, but it is like things like that where you think, wow, it's another little level. You've got another little, you know. Oh, I love it. Because because on telly, you can't see the hems on someone's trousers, can you? You're never going to see that because on a long shot, where you get a full, you're never going to see that. So I love that in theatre that all that will be clocked. And it's great that the Park Theatre have stuck with the project. and Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that um, I see Harry Hill's musical is on at the same time as ours, he's got he's written a uh, musical called Tony about Tony Blair. It's quite interesting because you know my play is inevitably political, and and you know so I'm just kind of think that's really great. There's a sort of political twist going on, you know. Brilliant. So yeah. so what happened was mine. I said to my neighbour, oh, you know, I left a little poster on the doorstep. I thought, do you fancy this? So I, I've not lived here very long. She was like, oh, I already know about this. So she said she'd seen Harry Hill on it or heard him talking about it gone to the theatre website and then gone oh hang on I know that name as well so it's cool have you been to the park theatre Ollie yeah Nigel bless him we after we recorded our podcast I met up with Nigel at the theatre and he he took me to the stage and and he was showing me how everything was going to be and describing oh. it all and like it must have been three weeks after that that we went into lockdown Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Definitely feels like the calm before the storm at the moment, do you know what I mean? One of our girls is hurt her leg. It's loads of things. It always happens. She's hurt her leg. She's, she's getting better. She's on crutches. She's torn a bit of her muscle. She's all right. I've twisted a little muscle in my back. It's all the things you just think. You just get into the line. Just, get out of my yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I remember when I was doing Hangmen, I remember on press night, I saw David Morrissey interviewed on telly, and he was literally like that. <laughs> God, yeah, what yeah. the fuck's happened to him? And he just got this terrible cold and almost lost his voice. I was like, you know, he proper had to call on Doctor Theatre that night and get him through the next few shows. It's just, you know, 
it just happens, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like you've got an inbuilt thing going, just can get me to the stage. I don't, it's like just an actor's thing, isn't it? It's, you'd never like, like, oh, I don't think I can do it tonight. You're like, what? And of course, the poor girl that's hurt her leg, you know, I'm really, I keep texting and going, it's fine, it's just fine. Don't worry about it. Like, I don't, I honestly don't want her to worry about that because she's so brilliant and she's so sure of who she's playing that even when she's been using her crutches in the scenes, it's like, Jesus, she's channeling Tony Cher and Richard III from the 80s, you know, and she uses them and it's like, it's, yeah. you can't take your eyes off her. So it's like, it's like, it's like somebody going on with the book. I've, I said the other day, I was like, I've, I've instantly forgotten she's on crutches. It's like yeah. to the point of, dare I say it, she'll fucking hobble around that stage on her crutches and just, and just crack on with it. It's like pretty damn sure that if she had to, that's what she'd do. She's, yeah. she, she did one, one rehearsal of sitting down and, and she just couldn't do it. She, she could, but she just, you know, she wanted to be on the stage. So she's just been moving around. Yeah, she's got, you know, when, if you've never been on crutches, your arms get sore and because you're Oh using my God, it's tough. Tool, she's used to that now. She's fine. You know, she, yeah. now, she now does the show. She'd fall over if she lost, lost her crutches. <laughs> so my 4am club used to be, oh, that word should be the other side of that word. Now my 4am club is, right, why would she be on crutches? Has she sprained her ankle in the nightclub or, you know, like really trying to just uh, think... Uh, she just slipped over in the shopping precinct or you know now starting to think and then why would she be at work because she can't carry it well because well, well she's got nothing else to do she might as well just come to work and just chat to them you know so now I'm firing on that now thinking if we do go down that road what can we what will it be because yeah. I don't think you could have it without explaining it will, will yeah. you see every show Sally will you see every performance I'll certainly see every preview yeah, yeah. Because that's when you still fiddle and faddle and check if a moment works. And um, and then I keep putting in my diary when pals are coming, although I'm dreading my dad coming. Oh, <laughs> Just, really? You know, there's a few swear words and, and my dad's a bit old school working class. Like, you know, remember in the old days where you used to go to the snog where you could have a right good F and Jaff where the women weren't. You know, he's from that generation. And my sister, who's the middle child, so she's a little bit more fusses around my parents. She um, she keeps saying, you know, it's about sex, dad. And he's like, yes. Right. So she keeps trying to, she's just already trying to nudge him off the horse. Oh, you magnify everything when it's your parents, don't you? You absolutely are. You like, do really. I'm, you I'm look at it. Years old when my dad, I'm 47. I'm 15 years old when my, my dad's in the room. I'm like that. My personality goes, see ya. And I'm just left there like that. It's just, yeah. it's just weird, isn't it? Like, you I'm just really don't want to disappoint them, do you? It's, you know, it's funny because um, my son is now sitting his GCSEs. And in the play, the girls have just sat their GCSEs and they're waiting for the results, O-levels, of course, then. And I did an interview with a magazine yesterday and I was saying to the guy, when I sat my O-levels, I had zero understanding of why I was doing it. Mm. No one said, if you do well in this, you might get a really good job or you might be able to leave this town that you're a bit frustrated at. No, but nothing yeah. Had no connection. My son wants to be a pilot. He, he knows that he needs maths. I was just sat there going, <laughs> why are we doing this? The only reason that I sat the exam was so I didn't get bollocked by my dad. It was the only reason. So that's the other thing the play's about is reasons and choices. And so these girls are waiting for the results, but 
they don't really know why or what it's going to change. No one's ever mentioned university to them or a Bill fan, I'll give him a shout out because it's it seems appropriate to call Patrick Stratford and he's he's been working in in a small Scottish town in an Argos for ten years and he's just left to go he wants to visit every single UK city in the next twelve months and he's been saving and saving. Love him. He came down to the Bill reunion last month, came down to London, got a B and B and you know, saw London and now he and he's finished his last shift and he's off to explore the UK and you know Oh my god, that's a movie. It yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. And he's a he's an absolutely lovely guy and like Good for you, Patrick. Yeah. yeah. Respect. That's one yeah. of them things that people talk about doing and don't do, isn't it? Going back to what we're saying about, oh, I've got an idea for a play. Okay. What's yeah. the next one? What's it's like save up? Have you looked at your map? Have you do you know what I mean? There's so many actually going and doing it yeah fair play yeah yeah do you have a um a, i know it's hard to say a favorite moment or perhaps a line of dialogue sal that you're looking forward to an audience hearing or you i'm enough of a comedic actor to understand that the way you bounce a line will either make an audience laugh or not so i suppose i'm probably just curious to know if those lines will land so there's a few of those I've got on my sleeve that I'm hoping for. There's a character in it called Bernice. And yesterday I went on a Facebook page, and I do Facebook, to try and find the original Bernice from my hometown. And so I just went on, on something called Marple Memories, which is the village that I lived in. I just thought, anybody know a woman called Bernice? Um, and they've all come back with age, surname. <laughs> photo and I was like oh I thought it was a really unique name and they're like no I knew a Bernice Yates a Bernice Francis you know so I'm dying to know whether I can find this woman and I would love to bring her to see the play because there's a character named after her and sort of inspired by her in many ways I'm happy just as I am but we need to remember for something like what like, like a heist in in in, in British home stores with navy berries and red lipstick—a a stylish heist. Nothing worth stealing in British homes. If that's not the point, it's money for old world. Yeah, but then you take it back. And where have you got the berries? Oh, don't worry about that. The only place that sells them is the point. British home stores. Stop getting twisted in the detail. I just want to really reach out to anybody who thinks that going to the theatre is intimidating or not for them. This is your story. This is about people who maybe don't have the confidence to do something or to step out of their comfort zone. It's easy to find the theatre. It's easy to book a ticket. It's only an hour and 40 minutes long. It's not highbrow. It's not intimidating. It's about working class people who have an intention to be a little bit better than they are. And I just would really, really beg anyone who feels that going to the theatre is not for them to rethink that. We'd love to see you afterwards and say hi. And going to the theatre is a bloody brilliant, sexy, dynamic experience. I don't really like going to the movies. I find it a little bit soulless and cold. But at the theatre, you're all there on the roller coaster together and you just go off on it. And it's it's thrilling. It really is thrilling. Please come and let us know when you come in and we'll meet you afterwards and 
Mm. The 80s, I mean, the 80s, like, they were mad. Yeah. They were more than just funny clothes. It was a funny time and some weird stuff went down. We see you next week, Ollie, don't we? No, the week after. Yeah. June the 7th. Come and find us, won't you? Because there's a lot of starry faces that night. So don't go on the back foot. Come and push your way and say hiya. I certainly will. Almost there, legends. Well done. (laughs) See you on the other side. I'm excited. Thank you both so much for doing this as well. Pleasure. Always a pleasure. See you on the 7th. Hey, guys, I've got to tell you something. I've never said this to anyone. Last night, right, I was... My huge thanks to Sally, to Chris, to the director Nigel Douglas and to everyone at the Park Theatre for including me, involving me in a very small way in this production over the last two and a half years. I've, I've shared a small part of the journey with them. Coming up next on the Bill podcast, DC Rodscase is back. It's a quadrilogy of podcasts with the wonderful Ian Fletcher, a really in-depth, rare interview with the great man as we do a deep dive on his time in the show. So that's coming up soon. In the meantime, if you fancy unlocking over 60 hours of cast and crew commentaries, reactions, reunions, pilgrimages, you name it, it's on patreon.com forward slash the bill podcast. If you're able to support the channel, I'd be very grateful indeed. A special shout out as well to our sponsors, georgefairbrother.com, Misty Moon Events and mcgoldrickwatchrepairs.com. Thank you all for your support of the Bill Podcast. More gold dust to come. In the meantime, take very good care of yourselves. And if you can this week, go and support the Still Room at the Park Theatre London. All the best. Take care. Bye for now. <laughs>